Hey guys. Yeah, I guess you can consider this a bit of a redo of my first um, podcast on Podbeam and Anchor.fm. And this is basically a podcast that I'm going to entitle Uncut, Unscripted, and On the Fly. Well, I talk about a variety of subjects. And I talked about three today, and I'm going to go through all three of them again, but hopefully a little bit more quicker than I did with the other one. But anyway, let's talk about the first subject that comes to mind, and that is on Sunday, Impact Wrestling, the third largest, that is true, third largest uh, major professional wrestling promotion in the country, if not the world, um, made history by crowning the first world champion that was not a man. Yeah. Tessa Blanchard, the daughter of Tolly Blanchard, uh, who's known for his time in the Horseman, who is a Hall of Famer with WWE. Tolly Blanchard, uh, Tolly Blanchard's starter, Tessa Blanchard, ended up winning that company's World Heavyweight Championship, or at least the equivalent of the World Heavyweight Championship, the world title, from Sammy Callahan. Now, this was all done in, in the midst, or amidst all the controversy that's followed her in the past, over the past 24 hours leading up to that moment. And I talked about that on my YouTube channel, which you'll also be able to hear this on. Now, basically, long story short, she was accused of everything that she was being, as some ladies in the business put out, being hypocritical. You know, about. She was being hypocritical about it. Because she basically was encouraging women to come together and support each other. And this brought out a sea of backlash like I don't think Tessa expected. Now, further, now, the good news, the good news basically is she and the woman that uh, she was accused of, of being racial towards a couple of years back in Japan have talked it out and made up. Because Tess has even gone on record and said, look, I make mistakes. I don't regret them. None of us are perfect. You know, You know, we just got to move on. You know, and learn from our, our mistakes. And if we have to apologize for what we said, we apologize. You know, and that's what Tessa did. She took ownership of her mistakes. Now, like I said, amidst this, she... Impact Wrestling decided to make her the world champion, thus making her the first female wrestler to win a major promotions world title that's mainly for the men. Now, this got, like I said, got people buzzing. Some were happy about it. Some were happy that, you know, Impact is trying to uh, be diverse, be different, try to be that alternative. And some were not too happy. I mean, Jeff Siegel, the Slag Daddy, uh, on his website, or on his YouTube channel, I should say, one of them anyway, which is OTRS Central, um, Jeff basically was not too thrilled with it. He, well, you have to watch his video to see what I mean, but 
Jeff basically was not too thrilled with the fact that Tessa Blanchard was crowned the champion. He basically felt it was ridiculous. Now, he has nothing against Tessa being the world champion, obviously, but I think what he found ridiculous in his own mind was it wasn't given proper build-up. Like, you didn't do it in a way that would show that, by the all looks of it, Tessa shouldn't have won that match. Or Tessa was being... Um, how do I put it, singled out as probably not being able to match up to Sammy, and Sammy's going to wipe the floor with her. Basically, Jeff felt that if it was done properly, then no problem. Go ahead and put the championship on her. You know, that way it's a good story. It's a good climax to your story. But that didn't happen. The way... But obviously to Jeff, I should say, that didn't happen. And again, you have to watch this video to see what I mean. Now... Is it upsetting to me that Tessa won? No. I think it's great. You know, if Impact feels that this is going to help them out, then so be it. If they feel it's going to get more people on, more people to pay attention to them, so be it. You know, and I understand where Jeff's coming from when, they, when he says that it's not going to move the needle. Because honestly, you know, not everybody has access TV on their cable provider. You know, myself included. Heck, I don't even have Bing Sports on my cable provider. But thankfully, both Impact Wrestling and Major League Wrestling have the knowledge to realize, hey, we have other platforms we can get our product out on so that those that don't have these cable channels can still watch us. So, long story short, again, I have nothing against Tessa being the champion. Because need I remind you... Need I remind you that over 20 years ago, or about 20 years ago, WWE was actually considering putting the WWE Championship around China's waist. Joni Lauren, or Joni Lauren, um, as I was saying, you know, I have no problem with Tessa winning because, you know. If they feel it's going to help them out, out and everything, that's great. But like I was saying, not many of us have access TV in, um, in being sports on our providers. Thankfully, you know, Impact and Major League Wrestling realize, hey, we need to uh, get with some other, um, comp- you know, we got to have some other outlets to showcase our stuff. And that's why you have Major League Wrestling with YouTube and Impact with Twitch. So... At least they know that, hey, not everybody has these providers. But again, I have nothing against Tessa winning. Um, Like I was saying before I got interrupted there, we got to remember about 20 years ago, WWE was planning originally, one of the original plans was to try to put the belt on China, Joni Lauren. They were planning to do that. Um, Unfortunately, they didn't go through with it, but there were plans to do it. And had they done it, then WWE, not Impact, would have been the first to have a female wrestler as their world champion, as their main champion. And let's not forget either, whether you consider it a promotion or a side project or some kind of like side promotion or whatever for AAA, let's not forget, whether you like this woman or you don't, Sexy Star was a Lucha Underground champion. Yeah, it was for a week, but she was the Lucha Underground champion. Let's not also forget that 
Uh, I don't know who it is. What's her name? Uh, Brittany. It's not Brittany Kelly. Um, it's Kimberly. I don't know who it is. There's a female athlete out there that is the current or was the current Chikara champion. Yeah, I can't think of her name right now. I don't know if it's Kimberly or something. But she, this woman, is the, was, if not, is the current Chikara champion. So she's on top of that promotion. And then, let's not forget, Medusa, a.k.a. Alondra Blaze, and Jacqueline, a.k.a. Jackie Moore, had both won the Cruiserweight Championship. So... There's that. And if you want to consider it, look at the fact that we've had female hardcore champions and even recently female, whether you like the championship or you don't, female 24-7 champions. So it's no, so it's, it's no big deal, actually. It's, no, it's nothing new, I should say, to have a female become champion, to hold a male's championship. I mean, it is new to have a female holding the main championship of a promotion, the world title of a promotion, but it's nothing really new in the long scheme of things. And for all we know, Tessa Blanchard may just hold that championship until Impact's Rebellion in April of this year at Terminal 5, you know, in New York City. She may hold it till then. She may hold it up until the first few uh, tapings to take place post Hard to Kill. Like, you know, like with Brian Cage. What was it in the second to third week after Hard to, uh, second to third week after Bound for Glory? What happened? He ended up losing the world championship in a steel cage to Sammy Callahan. So who's to say Tessa Blanchard won't suffer the same fate? Like maybe in the second taping after the live broadcast on Twitch and Access TV, that she doesn't lose the world title back to Sammy. Or heck, even to someone like Ace Austin. Who's to say that won't happen? So, again, to me, it's not really a big deal. Yes, I understand where Jeff's coming from, that if it was built up more properly... And the story felt more organically done to where you made it look like it was, it was impossible for her to achieve this goal. But yet, here she goes. She's doing it. Then that would be, then I could get where Jeff's coming from. But, you know, again, I have nothing against Tessa winning. And, again, you got to look at it also from a business perspective. Anthem Sports and AK, you know, Anthem Sports and the Impact Wrestling Division realize Tessa's contract's up in a few months, and they're going to want to do whatever it takes to kind of keep her on board, to get her to resign. And if making her the first female to hold their main world championship is part of the way of doing it, you can't blame them. Because think about it. You think they want to lose Tessa Blanchard to WWE? Do you think they want to lose Tessa Blanchard to All Elite Wrestling? Huh? You think they want to do that? Do you think they want to lose Tessa Blanchard to stardom now that they're under New Japan ownership? You think they want to do that? No. You think they want that? No. So they're doing whatever it takes to keep her under contract. And if that means, hey, let's make her our world champion, then so be it. But again, I have nothing against Tessa being the champ. I understand where Jeff's coming from. I'm sure we all do. 
We, we all have our own opinions, but again, I have nothing against what Jeff has to say about the situation. I have all the respect for Jeff and his opinions. You know, I've been a fan of his and OTR Central for a long time, so I get where he's coming from, but we'll just have to wait and see where they go with it. The next thing I want, the next thing I talked about, and I want to do real quickly, I talked about this in a video yesterday before my bus came to pick me up from work. And that is this whole scandal situation that's rocking the National Football League and Major League Baseball. Now, as far as the National Football League goes, once again, the New England Patriots are in the limelight, or in the spotlight. And it's a spotlight they don't want to be in. Long story short, the so-called advanced scout was caught video spying or videoing recording the Bengals' sideline when they were hosting the Cleveland Browns. And this is all caught on film. And basically, long story short, the advanced scout tried to say he didn't know, he didn't mean for it to happen, and the Bengals security and even some of the NFL security that was at the game were like, look, dude, say what you will, the damage is done. You're caught, right, you're caught red-handed. So, long story short, even though they tried to deny it at first, the Patriots did uh, finally acknowledge, yes, you know, what happened was on, is on us. We take the blame. You know... We're sorry. Da, da, da. They basically admitted a, admitted fault to what happened, even though they tried to deny it at first. Now, here's what's interesting. Tom Brady is a free agent, right? Everybody is hoping, especially those in New England, they're hoping Tom comes back. And if he does, that's great. But honestly, I've got a feeling Brady's going to sit down with his family, he's going to sit down with his wife, and they're probably going to have a discussion. He's going to sit down with his parents, you know, his entire family. And they're going to discuss what his future options are if he wants to still play. And I guarantee you, his family's going to be like, Tom, do you really want to go back to New England and get that seventh Super Bowl for that team? Or do you want to get away from all that drama and kind of restart fresh? Or kind of finish out in a peaceful manner? And... If that And if that is something his family kind of suggests he does, who's to say Tom won't end up somewhere else just so he can avoid the whole New England situation? Now, true, wherever he goes, he's still going to be haunted by what's happened. He's still going to have a connection to what's happened. But honestly, would you blame Brady for wanting to go somewhere else to try to focus on playing the game and winning that one more championship he wants in his career before hanging it up? No, you can't blame him. If he does that. Because here's the thing. On top of this recent, as people are dubbing it, Spygate 2, you also have the Deflate Gate. You have the first Spygate. Amongst many other things, New England... You know, is not painting themselves well in the front, in front of not just the fans, but of a lot of people. They're not painting themselves a good picture. And the question is, what is the punishment? What kind of punishment is necessary for the Patriots to have to send a message, not just to the Patriots, but to all the other teams uh, in the NFL? What kind of punishment would be severe enough?
I'll get into that in a moment because the other scandal that's rocking sports, believe it or not, is the Houston Astros and possibly the Boston Red Sox. What I mean by this is it's been revealed, it's been talked about over the past year, obviously, if not more so recently, that in the 2017 World Series, which I think Houston won, Houston won that, that Houston was caught cheating. Long story short, and you could check out ESPN on this, you could check out Fox Sports on this, you could check out Stephen A. Smith on this, because boy, is he vocal on it. Uh, basically, long story short, the Astros used some kind of camera technology in center field to read signals from the pitchers, then they would transmit or at least acknowledge what the signals were to the bullpen. The bullpen would do something like bang a trash can in a certain way, you know, what have you. They would basically basically acknowledge to the fellow players and staff, okay, this is what's going to happen. This guy's going to pitch this way, you bat this way. Or he's going to pitch, he's going to try to strike you out with a, you know, a curveball or whatever. Don't, don't swing at it. You know, do this. And basically, what in the long run, the Astros basically... Basically, uh, screw th- have screwed themselves out of any potential postseason. The way I look at it, um, in the future, because now, not only did you have the general manager and the manager, the Doug and the manager period, this team manager, the coach, if you will, suspended by Major League Baseball, as well as fired by the Astros owner, who basically had no knowledge that this was happening. But now you have other uh, individuals that were associated with the Astros at that time losing their jobs, if not possibly losing their jobs, period, or eventually. Like you have Alex Correr, I think, who just lost his job in Boston because of what he because of this, and the possibility that Carlos Beltran, who is the manager of the Mets, could lose his job because of what's happened. Because they were all part of, because both of them were part of the Astros team when this happened. So they had knowledge, possibly, of this occurring. If not, they did. So, the, now, so the question is, one of the questions is, how is the Red Sox involved? Well, like I said, Alex Cora became the manager of the Boston Red Sox the following year. And the following year, Boston won by, just like Houston did the previous year, beating the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, a lot of people, including Stephen A. Smith, pointed out that it's kind of ironic that they beat the Dodgers possibly in a similar way that the Astros did. So the question is, what happens with Boston? What, what punishment may they face? And when you get down to it, when you look at both leagues and the situations that's going on with, their te- with these teams, that is the question. What punishment is severe enough? What punishment is so severe that even if you can't take their titles away, 
Even Stephen A. Smith has said he doesn't see the World Series championships being taken away because if you take away Boston's World Championship and Houston's World Championship, it's going to be like that World Series never happened. It's going to be like that World Series never happened. And what excuse are you going to come up with? That, oh, it went to a Game 7 and went to so many extra innings that they couldn't declare a winner and that was it? Or what are you going to do? You're going to strip them of the title and hand it to the Los Angeles Dodgers saying you're the ones that are actually a two-time world champion because you got cheated? You know, so Stephen A. Smith, among others, knows there's no chance that Houston or Boston could have their championships taken away, even though he believes they should. So the question would be, what's the severe punishment? Now, when you look at the New England Patriots on the NFL side of things, you know, and everything they've been through, what's the severe punishment for them? Do you take away the Super Bowls? Do you take away conference championships, division championships? What? What do you do? Well, I think the ultimate solution is going to come like this because I believe the best way, the best way to send a message through a punishment, especially when it comes to sports, is take a page out of what the NCAA did. Now, in case you guys don't know what I mean, the NCAA years ago suspended and prohibited the Penn State Nitty Lions from competing in postseason play. So in other words, even if the Nitty Lions had a perfect record or a decent record enough to be bowl eligible, forget it. They weren't going anywhere. Even if they had a perfect record or a winnable record that won them the conference or the division of the conference, forget it. They're not going anywhere. And all because of a scandal that followed them and rocked them and prohibited them from any postseason play, no matter what their record was, winning or otherwise, for a couple of years. So my opinion is what Major League Baseball should do and the NFL should do is they should follow that same example. Meet up with a lot of teams, or at least meet up with, if you're, if you're Roger Goodell of the NFL, you meet, up with all the, you meet up with the New England Patriots and, the, and their owner, Roger Kraft, or Richard Kraft, whatever his name is, as well as you meet up with other owners, you explain the situation, and then you tell Kraft, you tell Belichick, or Belichick, Easy for me to say. You tell Kraft, you tell Belichick, and any other the higher-ups at the Patriots organization, you basically tell them in front of the other owners and managers of the other 31 NFL teams, you tell them that because of what they did, they unfortunately for the next few years are prohibited from postseason play. In other words, you have Goodell tell Kraft that for maybe the next two seasons, despite what your record would be, you're not going to play in any postseason. You can have a winning record that wins you the division, but guess what? That division title, because of your probation, will default to the team that's the second best team in the East. Like, for example, if they did that this season, for example, if they did that this season, then that Eastern title would have gone to Buffalo. End of story. And, you know, the same, 
And the same could be said for the Astros and the Red Sox, possibly, possibly the Red Sox, in Major League Baseball. You have the commissioner of the MLB meet up with the owners of the Astros, meet up with the owners of the Red Sox, and meet up with all the other owners of the other uh, MLB teams. You know, explain what's going on, and then tell the Astros owners and management and the Red Sox owners and management that because of what they were involved in, they have no choice but for the next few seasons to prohibit the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros from competing in postseason play despite their record. To me, that's the best, that would be the best punishment. And on top of that, on top of that, speaking of postseason play or whatever, you even disqualify any chance for a Red Sox player or an Astros player to be in the All Star game in the summer. As part of you know, make that part of the punishment as well. And the same could go for the NFL. They could do the probation on New England, and then on top of that, make any New England Patriot player that could be eligible for the Pro Bowl ineligible because of what they did. And now I know that doesn't seem fair to maybe future Patriot players and all that who get drafted or traded or signed with them, but you can't, but honestly, you can't blame the NFL if they were to do that. And the same goes with Major League Baseball. You can't blame the MLB for doing what they would do, or doing the same thing to the Astros and the Red Sox. So my honest opinion is if you can't take their championships away, if you can't take their championships away, then you put them on probation. You prohibit them from being in postseason play along with any chance of anybody competing in an all-star game of any kind. You prohibit all that from happening as punishment for what they did. And at the same time, by doing so, you're sending a message to the rest of the league, whether it's the NFL or Major League Baseball, that this kind of stuff will not be tolerated anymore. And that if you're going to play, you earn it. You don't cheat. You earn it. So that's what I feel should be done. That's just what I feel should be done as far as the punishment is concerned. Last but not least, let's talk about Joker. Now, in case you guys don't know, Joker was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. 11 Academy Awards. Two of them are two of the most important. That's Best Actor and Best Picture. Joaquin Phoenix nominated for Best Actor. Joker nominated for Best Picture. And what this does, honestly, folks, is it sets a precedent. Because if Joker ends up winning Best Picture and Joaquin Phoenix, just like he did at the Golden Globes, wins Best Actor... Then it sends a precedent. It sets a precedent for future comic book movies to be done in the future, or for comic book movies to be done in the future. It sets a precedent. It sends a message that if a movie like Joker, which is based on the villain Joker from the Batman franchise from DC Comics, can receive such critical acclaim and praise as like it has, then the same could be said for possible other comic book movies in the future. 
Because what's going on here is the fact that the reason Joker's being nominated, the reason he's got the the reason it's been critically acclaimed, is because it doesn't feel like it's part of the DC universe. It doesn't feel like it's part of it's adapted or based on a comic book of any kind. It feels like it's its own independent film. It feels like despite one of the nominations being adapted screenplay. It feels like an original screenplay based on an original story. Nothing else. It feels completely separate. It feels completely separate from what other comic book movies have been. Because other comic book movies, you know, have been basically flashy, bright lights and all that. Good stories, but flashy, bright lights and all that. This one feels more grounded in reality. And I think that's why it's gotten the critical acclaim that it's gotten, why it's been treated the way it has, why people love it for what it, for what it is, because it feels like it's not a comic book movie. It feels like it's completely separate. It really does. So that's why when you look at Joker giving, getting the nominations that it did and getting the praise that it did, that's the reason. And if it wins Best Picture and Joaquin wins Best Actor, then like I said, it sets, it sets a precedent for future comic book movies and how they can be done. Because if Joker could do it like this, other movies could do it this way too. However, the question will be, will it win? We'll have to tune in on February 9th to find out. But that's about all I can say, guys, for this uh, redo or quick uh, version of my podcast of the, of the topics I talked about in my uncut, unscripted, and on-the-fly pilot podcast. Let me know what you guys all think down below. Comment if you like, and I'm out.